Let's pray together. Father, we are, we are grateful, Jesus, for the love that you have shown us. And Lord, even in the, all the songs that we've sang this morning, Lord, that our, our longing and desire for your kingdom to come increasingly in our land, Lord, for, for your name, Lord, to be exalted and heralded. And because we deeply believe, Lord, that there's no other name in heaven and earth in which men might be saved, but your name alone, Jesus. And so, Lord, as we open your word today, would you speak to us, would you teach us increasingly what it means to be followers of you and to bring all of our lives underneath your authority. Lord, we love you and we give ourselves to you in this time and ask this in Jesus' name, amen. This morning we'll be in John 20, verse 21. And so if you have a Bible, you can turn there. It'll be on the screens. It's also in the seat ahead of you. Now, um, you may notice I have my backpack with me. This uh, trusty backpack has kind of traveled all over the world to me. I've um, kind of lost track a little bit, but I know I've been, I think, to 12 different countries, most of them twice. Some Some of them, one of them I think I've been to like 25 times and a few others to multiple times and, uh, um, there's things that happen as you prepare and you get ready to go. And uh, this backpack probably could tell a lot of the stories, and there's a lot of things in it that prepare me for the trip there, and we'll get back to that backpack in a little bit. As you know, I just traveled to India, and um, <clears throat> about a week ago, I, rev- I, I came back home, and um, God and I, we've had this long journey with India, although I went just about two weeks ago. Um, our journey with India has been a little bit like this. Um, someone comes up to me and says, hey, Ryan, I really think you should go to India. And I was like, ah, uh, yeah, I'm going here. I'm good. And we'd kind of move on. And then someone else would come up and say, hey, Ryan, I, I really think you should go to India. I think you would uh, really be impressed with the ministers there. And I think God might really be able to use you there. And I was like, oh, yeah, let me pray about it, right, which means that I'm not doing it. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, and here's the thing, getting ready to go to India I, I didn't have opposition with India because, um, I mean, I, I like a lot of things about India. I, I don't mind crowds, um, and I heard there's 1.3 billion people in India, so I knew there we'd be a bit congested there. Um, <clears throat> I, I don't mind cows, right, because I grew up on a farm. I've been around cows my whole life, so I don't have an issue with that. And by the way, cows roam freely everywhere in India, um, just like out in the middle of the road, and everybody stopped because there's a cow. Anyway. We don't do that on my farm. And so, um, and then in curry, right, everything's made with curry. By the way, when they give you the American, if you ever go to India and they give you like the American version saying, hey, it's not very, this isn't, this is the one without spice. I have never tasted something without spice that is so hot before in my life. And so um, it wasn't that I, I didn't want to go to India, right? And so, so God afforded me an opportunity to go. And I went two weeks ago, came back a week ago. And by the way, um, there were lots of crowds, cows and curry while I was there in India. But in my preparation for the trip, I began to write sermons and began to get ready. I went with other pastors, really a group of guys from Buffalo and me went to teach at this pastor's training. And as you prepare to go on trips like this, you have to write sermons and things differently because you can't use the same things that I would hear on a Sunday morning there. And so in translation, example, if for some reason I said, you know, me and my wife, we were so excited when we had our baby, we were tickled pink, 
right? They'd be like, oh, he has a rash on his belly in some way, right? That would be the translation. They don't know how to do that. Or like last night, it was really raining cats and dogs. They'd be like, it's strange in their country. Cats and dogs fall from the sky, right? And so you have to, you can't use these euphemisms and things that we use. You have to speak in more plain terms. So I'd be, I, I prepared all my sermons and I got on an airplane and uh, uh, <clears throat> lots of details. I actually um, threw my back out at the parking garage at the airport. And so the best 12 hours of my life were on to Dubai with my back completely frozen up. And so all the trip there, all these things were happening on my way. And I got there and I taught. Um, we got there, we arrived. I taught the first night and things went well. And then after I talked, I, I was going to speak the next morning for two hours to a group of youth workers. And as I began to prepare, there's about a thousand people at the conference and they broke them out in these breakouts. And But after I finished, it was like the Lord began to say to me, I, I, I don't want you to teach what you prepared. And so God and I had this conversation of like, but I prepared it, God, and it was a lot of work, and I'm just going to teach that because that's easier. And then again, he was like, no, I want you to teach something else. And for some reason, a sermon that I did a while back here on the Great Commission, God said, I want you to teach this. And so I had to go back through the sermon and change all the things up in it. And so the next morning, I went and I taught it. And in that sermon, I teach on the, the make disciples, right? This is the imperative of the text of, of Matthew 28. And then what supports it is the way in which we go. We, um, way in which we go, literally, we go, we take risks, right? We, we baptize, get a new identity in Jesus. And then we, we teach to observe everything, right? The, the, all the commands of God, we, we learn those. And so I teach on this and... Um, when we got to the part of taking risks, now this is where it was challenging because I knew this section of it, I'm gonna tell these youth workers to go take risks for Jesus. Now, it's humbling to speak to them because they literally put their life on the line for Jesus every day. It's a very dangerous thing to be a pastor in India. And those pastors that I'm speaking to, these youth workers are going to go and put their life on the line. Now, I'm not saying my life has been absent of suffering, but I don't think I have had the persecution and trial and struggle they have. And so it's a bit humbling to tell them to go do something that I'm not sure I, I will ever engage into the fullness of what they have. So the Lord gave me, uh, just reminded me of a time in my life, and I shared this with the students, and I said, the student workers, and I said, um, years ago, God called me out at a specific time in my life to pray in a different way than I had. I was sitting in a service, and um, the Lord kind of brought Jericho to my mind and he said, Ryan, I want you to pray and I want you to pray for seven days and I want you to pray for this specific thing and so it was this kind of different thing and so I, I said, okay, and it, God kept saying it and so I was like, ah, it's weird, but I'm gonna obey you and I'm gonna do it. So I, I did. And I, one of the mornings early, I was out walking and praying and I was, as I was walking and praying, I was, I was praising God for his attributes as I was praying. And it was this time where it was like great clarity in all that God was. And I was saying, God, thank you for your compassion, your kindness, your gentleness, for, for your omnipotence, for omniscience, for, for all that you are. And I'm littering out all these things of God is. And then, and then in the next breath, I said, God, give me, give me your compassion. Give me your kindness. Give me your gentleness. Give me your care. Let all that you are embody me. And then I kept going, give me, give me, give me. And then I said the words that I wish like somehow I could give back. I said, Lord, give me your suffering. And it was this moment of like, like, oh, I don't even know why I just said that. Like, I don't want your suffering. Like, you, you suffered an excruciating death on the cross. And it was just like in a moment when I said, I don't know if I can do this. It's like the Lord spoke over me and he said, Ryan, 
you will never suffer like I did because I suffered alone. And you will never be alone in any trial and struggle you have because you have me. So I shared that and I did the whole teaching and this one pastor, right, he came up to me, this young, young youth pastor, he came up to me and he said, I've been praying as I came to this conference that God would give me courage and I've been praying that God would give me a word from him to give me greater courage for him. And he goes, thank you so much for what you taught today because God answered my prayer and what you said. Right, it's this moment of this confirmation that God was changing me and giving him a word and God is doing this greater work in the world far beyond us of what we can do. And, and in this, God had prepared me for India and then he changed my plans while I was in India. And, and as he changed my plans, right, God truly sent me on a missionary journey. It was a week-long missionary journey, but he sent me on a missionary journey. But in the same breath, I, I think India is not that much different than the day-to-day of my life. See, I I don't think that my missionary journey started as I prepared for India, but I think it started way back when I came to know him. And the missionary journey of my life and our lives is not whether we wake up in India or Ecuador or Guatemala or Dominican Republic or wherever we might find ourselves, but our missionary journey starts wherever we wake up. If I wake up in North Canton, I'm no less sent than I was the day I woke up in India. And God has no less plans for me today than he did for me there. That there's a sentness about our lives and my sentness isn't beginning when I take a trip, but my sentness really begins every moment and every day of my life as I wake up and as I go out. So let's read together John 20, 21. And so this morning, if you will, stand as we read God's word and stand in honor of his word and the recognition of its authority in our lives. John 20, 21 reads, Jesus said to them again, he'd stated this previously, about a verse before. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Father, would you give us insight into this text and give us insight with our lives that we might see the fullness of who you are and what you're doing and who you've made us to be God, help us to revere this word, help us to hear it as truth, and help us to wrap our lives around it. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So as we look at this text, the context of this is pretty important. So this is a resurrection appearance of Jesus. We have a few of the resurrection appearances of Jesus, and and here instructed, and, and many of those are kind of this sending nature of God toward us and humanity. And so there's this resurrection appearance, and in this, right before this, Jesus is going to say, peace be with you, and then he's going to show them, and if you kind of look before that on your own, he shows them his scars, right? He, he shows them his nail-pierced hands, right? He puts them on display, and he shows them the scars of where he was hung on the cross. And then he shows them where the spear lifts up his shirt, He shows them where the spear had pierced his side. And pierced is not even a strong enough word where it laid open his side. This would have been a significant scar, and it is a significant scar on the side of Jesus. And he shows them these, and he shows them these the nail-pierced hands and the spear, his laid open side and the, the wounds, the scars. And he stated this in the introduction. So he says, peace be with you. 
And then he shows them these marks. And these marks uh, are preserved. And when we're in heaven, we will see his scars. We will see his marks. And they're preserved to heal the hearts of doubt. That this was a real thing. That Jesus really died on the cross. That his, his, his hands were really nailed. That his side was really pierced for you and my sins to redeem us, to set us right with God. And so in this text, this is kind of the setup of peace be with you. I've done this completed work. And then he's going to say again, peace be with you. So there's three words that we want to kind of pull out of this text that highlight it. First, he says he's, he's given peace. So if you're filling in with us as we go, he's given peace. So what Jesus is saying, this kind of reiteration of peace in the text is peace upon peace is ours in Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 says it like this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. This peace that we have is spoken of often in the word of God and this peace be with you, peace is yours See, peace is this word that in some, time, in some ways we have a hard time um, sucking out the fullness of what it means because peace is something very rare in our lives. See, peace, I don't know about you, but for me, I've experienced quite a bit of war in my own life. Now, not war in the proper sense, but war in my mind, in my heart, in my soul. I've had war in two ways, I think, war with God and war with myself. War with God in this way, war is, can that really be true? God, is your way really good? Because it seems like if I run this way or I run that way, it would be better. And it just seems like your way is too hard, it's too tough. And me and God have gone at war over this in our lives. Anybody else been at war with God? And the other way I've been at war is with myself. Is Ryan, I don't really like who you are. I don't really like how you act and behave. And although I put on this face in front, of, in front of people as I live my life, Ryan, I wish you'd really get your act together someday. Anybody else ever felt at war with himself? See, this is a profound statement that Jesus makes. He says, peace be with you. Saying that there is a peace that you can have and you don't have to be at war anymore that there's a peace that you can have in me that, that, that isn't subjective on who you are or what you do or what this world is doing or those things coming at you, but you can be at peace with God and peace with yourself. See, there's these two, these two moments where he says, peace be with you in the text. The first is to all that are assembled. He says, peace be with you. It's like a greeting. It's the beginning of the conversation. And then the text, he says, peace be with you again. And this peace be with you is now a summons of service. And so here he's going to say, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. So what he's saying is there's a peace that's going to be with you now as you get busy for me and my kingdom. Because there's going to be war, there's going to be trial, there's going to be struggle, there's going to be hardship. But in the midst of all these things, I have you. And there's a peace that surpasses all understanding that is about to be yours in me. Because see, Jesus, he is the one who has completed this work. He is the one who has set this right. So it works like this. So if we could ask ourselves the question, when have we ever experienced true peace in our world? It's something that we, we want, right? 
We hear these things like peace on earth. What is it that you desire, right? World peace. We talk about peace, but it's something that we don't really know very well. Why? Well, I, I believe that in time and eternity, there's only been one time, span of time in this world where there's truly been peace, and it was in the garden. Adam and Eve walked with God as a man walks with his friend. They walked with him in the cool of the day. They walked with him in the morning. Their selflessness caused them to have this connection and relationship with God where they weren't consumed with themselves. They weren't consumed with how one another looked, what they did. They just walked with God and they experienced his overwhelming peace. But then they were tempted. And in their temptation, they began to question if God's peace was really all there was. Might there be more? Might they be able to chase after something or move towards something? And the moment they left, they sinned against God, they were overwhelmed with shame, they were overwhelmed with fear, and they were overwhelmed with guilt. And to this day, shame, fear, and guilt are things that plague us as a society and plague us as individuals and they hinder us from peace. But what Jesus is saying in this text is, hey, the the work is completed. The garden, it's available to you now. It one day will be forever, but now in me, my kingdom has come. My rule and my reign, my peace, it is yours, that I can give you a peace deep in your soul that you don't even understand. When people look at your life, they, they question and they wonder what is going on inside of them because there's such peace. Because see, Jesus is the king of kings. There's no other king needed. He's the Lord of lords. There's no other Lord needed. He's the prophet of prophets. There's no other prophet that needs to come. He's the priest of priests. There's no other priest that will sacrifice anything for the remission of sins. Jesus did the work. And because of what Jesus has done, peace is now available to us in the midst of the chaos of this world. And so in this text, Jesus says, peace, not war, Peace be with you. The second thing that we see is that Jesus, um, Jesus not, only, not only is going to ask us to do something, we're going to look at that in a minute, but what he says before, but prior to that is, he says, as the Father has sent me, meaning we have a model. Right? We have a model in which to mirror our lives after. He says, as the Father has sent me, so I am going to send you. So in Jesus, he modeled the way in which we are to follow the Father and and the way way in which we are to live in this world. And so the question would be, what is the way in which he modeled this? Well, Jesus was selfless. He, He laid down his rights. He was submissive to the will of the Father. He didn't do his own will, but he lived in for the pleasure and the goodness of the Father. He was sacrificial. He gave his life that we might have life. So in this text, the word sent, and there's two sent words. As the Father has sent me, one, so I am sending you, two. And so in this, there are different Greek words. The first one is apostello, meaning completed mission, a special service. And again, backwards, he's the prophet of prophets, the priest of priests, the king of kings, the lord of lords. The mission is completed in the work that Jesus did. And so now this apostello, as the Father has sent me, meaning I'm done. I've completed my work. I have done what is needed. Now I am sending you in the same way, sending us to be selfless, to live in submission, and to live sacrificially for our God and for our King. 
And so he gives us peace and then he models the way, meaning that Jesus never asks us to do anything that he did not do himself. I don't know about you, but I appreciate like that kind of leadership and our Lord is the best kind of leaders because he's not asking you or I to sacrifice, to submit, or to serve, or to do anything, or to be selfless outside of the bounds of what he already did himself. So Jesus modeled this way in how he behaved and how he acted in his life. And then the last, the third word we have today is to depart. Depart. Now this word, depart, is really this this word pampo, which is the beginning, to depart for specific specific persons. This is the second sent word. And this is the meaning that as the Father sent me, so I send you, that there's a new beginning, a departation with your life, that you are going to now move forward in service to the king. So this this word is is that you're going to move forward with and the word is kind of like this, it is personal, meaning that you're going to move forward, you're going to be sent, and it's going to cost you something. It's plural, it's, it's, it's Southern Greek, right? Meaning, it, it means, as the Father sent me, so I send y'all, right? Like, that's the Southern Greek word there. It's, it's y'all, and so it's not just speaking to a specific few, it's speaking to all of us, and so I am sending all of y'all, right? And so it is personal, it's plural, and it's purposeful that, that being sent, there's a specific mission that he has called us to do, and that is to proclaim the good news of what Jesus has done to this world. See, there's all kinds of things that we're going to do on the way of mission. We're going to do mercy, we're going to do justice, we're going to give to the poor, we're going to, we're going to extend a hand. But the, but the work, the, the big mission that Jesus is sending us on is to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Now, there's some stats that are kind of troubling for this. The stats are that 2% of evangelicals in America will share their faith once in their life. I don't know if that, like, say that again, 2%, which means that most Christians don't think the good news is very good news. Right, you want to uh, talk about good news, right? So when we have babies, what do I do? Right, we march them on stage. We talk about them. Hey, you wouldn't believe this really cute thing she did every night. And everyone's smiling at us, and they're like, oh, that's really good. But nobody cares, right? Nobody cares about these stories we tell because we have this good news that we had a baby. But I, I don't know about you, but for me, there's this really good news. It's great news. And the good news is this, and I don't know about you, this is why I've given my life to share it and proclaim it. Because I was, I was utterly lost and headed to hell. And my Savior pursued me and pursued me and pursued me. And one night, or one morning, I confessed my sin and I laid my hands, my, my life into his hands and I said, Jesus, I'm yours. And he rescued me. And he began to do a work in me that I could not do in myself. And he put a peace in me that I cannot explain. And he did a work in me that I can't, I can't even fully articulate. But what I know is that good news came in Ryan Johnston's life. 
that I don't have to live for myself, that I don't have to live by my own wants and dreams and desires, but I can submit myself to my God who created me, who I was created in the image of, and he can give me forgiveness for my sins that so entangle me and hurt me and harm me. And I now have a Savior and a Lord in whom I can live for and love all the days of my life. And one day, when all of this life is over, I will stand before him, and I hope, I hope that he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. It is good news what Jesus has done. But the question isn't, is it good news for me? The question is, is the good news good news to you? See, in the church, I think this is a struggle for us because the good news becomes old news, comes yesterday's news, and we just get caught up in the rituals and the day-to-day of the church, and we, we lose the passion of the great good news in which we have been commissioned for. And so this commission, this sentness, it's very purposeful Right? It's purposeful to proclaim good news. Charles Spurgeon said it like this, every Christian is either a missionary or an imposter. Before, before we go and do, right? before we, we depart, we, we experience his peace, he's modeled us away, he's called us to depart, but before we depart, we must, we must rest and be, we must understand this greater thing that Jesus has done in our life so that we might fully be used by him and, and work for him. And so this morning, I, I brought up my backpack. Again, as I said, this thing has traveled with me all over the world. I'm going to try this a little bit different in the service. And so, so as, as I've traveled, there's things that I put inside this backpack. And... Uh, the things, this isn't going to work. Uh, so the things that I put in this backpack, some of them are essential and kind of non-essential for the big mission that he has called us on. I think for us as we gather in the room today, um, anyway, that, so there's things that, that I take with me. So this hat I take with me, it says I'm from Canton, Ohio, got my hall hat, and uh, I take it because I'm bald, and the sun shines brightly on my head, and it will be very red in places like India because the sun is very it's very, very, very hot there. So I, I always take my hat with me. There's other things I take, like I, I take also a handkerchief because I'm bald and I can wipe my head off and so, because uh, it gets really sweaty um, or anyway, other things. Um, I have some Rolaids here and I use them because that's very important when you eat special foods in other countries. Um, also inside my, my pack here, I have some other things. Um, so this is super important. I have uh, medicines also because there's very specific foods that cause very bad things, and you should carry these with you. Um, many, many medicines, they're um, super important. Um, other things I take with me, um, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I, love, um, I love some snacks, and so whenever I pull out my snacks, I have these things like, uh, I have little kids, so I have Despicable Me uh, 3, Keebler Elf things. This is literally from my bag to India, so, um, so I have these things, I didn't eat all that. Um, I, I take other things with me. I take, um, I take Bonine because I get motion sick, which is kind of weird with my travel. Um, anybody else get motion sick? It's horrible. Um, other things, uh, my passport, pretty critical to get in and out of countries. Um, my passport, um, there's actually, every time you walk up to passport control, there's this moment where they're gonna ask you certain questions of why you're here in certain countries. You have to be really careful of what you do. Pretty sure there's a missions agency that shares what you shouldn't do because of something I did once. Uh, just saying, that's true. International Missions Board, and so um, um, so there's other things, but but those are things that I take with me when I go on long trips and some others. But there are some things that always stay in my backpack, whether I'm in North Canton or whether I'm in India. 
those things that I, I keep in my backpack are, are part of my identity. Um, and I think for some of you, you'll identify with this. This is, as our identity in Christ, there's certain things that, are, that always go with us wherever we go. Whether we're working at the Refuge of Hope, whether we're working at Pregnancy Choices, whether we're working in our neighborhood, loving our friends, whether we're at work in the cubicle, whether we are wherever we are in life, there are things we have because there's things that God has done. So it should be the, the last part of your notes. But, but in Christ, we are, we are, we are, we have these new identities. And the first that I want to talk about is that, that we are sent as worshipers. And so it's, whether I go to India or whether I wake up here, I'm a worshiper. And there's certain things that I have in my life that help me with that. And so, so one of the things is I have these headphones, right? These headphones that I take with me everywhere and I have multiple. I'm like a, I like collect headphones. I buy them all the time. Um, I have um, from many random street corners in many countries, uh, knockoff beats and all kinds of other things like that. I carry headphones because I want to listen. I, I, want, I, want, I want to fill my, my head. And I, I like worship music, and so you'll hear me listening to a lot of the songs that we do here week to week. I'll listen to them because they encourage me in the Lord. They give me a strength and, a, and an ability to move forward. And so I'm, I'm a worshiper, and so I want to hear worship music. But worship isn't all about song. Worship is, is much more vast than that. And so there's things that I, I wear, and um, you know, I could put my phone up here, my time, um, I need to be mindful of my time and my days, and so whether I'm there or here, I, I want to I exhaust my life for Jesus. I want, I want the fullness of my life, and I don't always do very well with this, but I want to, that, 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 that my days and weeks and months, that I'm aware of my time, that I spend it well for him. Um, not only my time, but, but, but my, my, my money, um, Right, I worship Jesus with my resources. I either am a, my mother, my money either masters me or I master it. So, you know, everywhere I go, typically today, my wallet or whatever, I'm going to have. I got a Huntington slip there with some cash in it. I've got some rupees, um, and uh, I've got some rupees. I've got some some money, and and when I go about my life, um, I want I want to use it and I want to spend it well for Him. And so, as I go about my life, I want to <clears throat> I want to invest my money well and people and things that, that matter for the kingdom that help the, move, the kingdom move forward. And so, like young guys in the ministry, I want to encourage them, so I want to give them cash, right? I want to give them cash. And so every once in a while, maybe an encouragement to Matt and Gina, you can get lunch with that 20 bucks or something like that. To like a student, maybe, <clears throat> I want to give them, you know, some money to move. There's uh, 10 rupees. That will buy you nothing. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, but I want my, I want, I want my, I want my life, I want my, I, not, not just my, my time, but, but my, my resources. And I just say this, I don't, I'm, I'm a big believer in research and all kinds of things that our money can go well to. My brother died of cancer almost two years ago. I think cancer research is great. <clears throat> but I think my brother would even say this. At the, end, at the end of every man comes judgment. And we can invest in all kinds of things, but I, I don't know of a greater thing to invest in than the local church and the kingdom of God moving forward. And with our time, with our resources, with our cash, we take it with us and we worship the Lord by saying, I'm not gonna be mastered by my money, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna master my money and I'm gonna give it to something that truly makes an, an impact on our world. And so as a worshiper, not only do I, I give all those things, but then, then I have me, the guy who carries the backpack, and I say, God, I, I don't have a ton of skills, but I have some. And so with what you've gifted me with, would you use it for your kingdom and your purposes? So, so living as a worshiper, it's 
Not something we gear up for in a distant land, but it's every day of our life that we live as worshipers. But so not only do we live as worshipers, we, 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 are, we, we are sent as learners. So in, in my life, there's a couple things that are typically around me to help me as a learner. Not master this, but the word of God. That the pages of this book are exhaustive. It's, it's impossible to ever squeeze out every last drop of all that God has said, but, but his word, it leads and it guides us. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It is true. It's without error. It's perfect. And so there's things in the day-to-day of my life that I read. Recently, I read Psalm 16, and it's a psalm that just simply encouraged me in the day as I was walking, trying to live my life as a missionary, as a sent one for Jesus it says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. It ends, verse 11. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. That I give myself and my life as a learner, that I, I want to learn who you are, God, what you've done, that I might live fully for you. But there's other things I have in my life like like books, wisdom, people that have wrote. This is one of my favorite books. You typically find it in my bag wherever I am. It's called Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Robert Coleman, I met him, and he wrote this in the front of my book. Um, it was really interesting. Anyway, I'll tell that story another time. So I meet him, and he, I ask him, I never have anyone sign my book. I asked Robert Coleman to, and he wrote this. Ryan, keep pressing on with Jesus. He is the way, and he never makes mistakes. The best is yet to be. We will celebrate together someday at the throne. The Lord be with you, Robert Coleman. These kind of books that we read that help us understand the fullness from saints of the faith and others, what what God's will is and plan for our life. And so not only are we worshipers, we're learners. We're growing in this thing as we go, all of us. So we're sent as worshipers, sent as learners, and we're sent as servants. Certain things that, that we have in our lives that help us and I don't really know how to be a servant unless and somehow I'm assessing my life. Because the thing that plagues all of us, and if you don't know this, I'm about to drop a big bomb on you, but you are selfish, right? And you are prideful, and so am I. And our selfishness and pride can do really weird things in our hearts and our lives. And so in order to be a servant, I've got to rid myself of selfishness, and I've got to rid myself of pride. The only way that I've, in my own life, feel like I can do that is through prayer and journaling is one of the main ways that I do it it's kind of the Psalm 139 Lord like search me and know me see if there's any wicked way in me you know so we write things down and we're honest with our lives and we think through how we're treating our spouse and our children and our friends and our family and and we truly take a look at our lives that we might be servants but not only do we kind of use these kinds of things like journals and prayer and time with the Lord but but remembering the gospel simply, that in my head that I'm, I'm remembering what Jesus has done for me, that the servant of servants, when I was, was, was completely lost without God, when I had no reason for God and still don't have any reason for God to love me, he sent his only son. God served me in a way that I could never reciprocate to others. But if there's any way in my life that somehow I could be a servant in the way that Jesus has been to me, it would be a good thing. And so we, we, we were sent as servants. We journal, we discern, we pray. We take action upon these things in our lives. And then last, maybe last and above all, is we're sent as missionaries. 
And there's nothing in a backpack that you can really do that. It's just saying, God, I, I'm yours. Me, Ryan Johnston, I identify as a missionary in this world. I hear what you say, peace be with you, Ryan. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Each and every one of us in this room, whether you like it or not, you have been sent if you are in Christ Jesus. You've been sent as his missionary into this world to proclaim the good news of the gospel. But in our sentness, we won't do very well in that until we embrace these other identities of what he's made us. If we don't live as worshipers and identify ourselves, this is who I am, I'm a worshiper. If we don't live as learners, saying, God, I know that I don't have it all, but I want more so that I might be more and more faithful to you. That I'm sent as a servant, that my very posture is that I'm here to serve and to care and to love. And then embracing this bigger identity that I am a missionary. So in this, I I don't know what's in your backpack, what's in your purse, what's in your satchel, what's in your life. I know some of you have some pretty massive purses and we don't know the endless treasures that exist, right? But all of us carry something. And God's word is clear that we are called to be worshipers with all of our lives to worship him. We are called to be servants. We are called to be learners. We are called to be missionaries. And do the things that kind of sit around your life propel you to that or deter you from it? So we're gonna sing and we're gonna have a time of response and in the time in which we sing and in our time of response, maybe what God could do in your life is simply this. If you don't know Jesus, maybe today you could experience his peace Maybe you've been at war with God and Jesus could speak over your life after you repent and turn in faith. He could speak over your life. My peace is now yours. All of us who have experienced that peace today would celebrate with you because we know how wonderful it felt when the weight and the scales and the chains of sin fell off our own life and his peace consumed us. But maybe for you, you've been living your life on your own missionary journey rather than on God's. And maybe today you would just embrace and say, God, I do believe I have been sent and I want to embrace my identity as a missionary. Let's pray together and respond appropriately. Father, we are grateful today for all that you are and all that you've done. Jesus, we we ask that you you would overwhelm us with your peace, that you would help us to see you fully the one who modeled the way for us. And Jesus, might, might you help us to depart with our lives for your great purposes as we live as worshipers, as learners, as servants, and as missionaries. Lord, we thank you for the clarity of your word. And Lord, we know that in all these things that we are, we are completely imperfect. But we're so grateful today that we follow the perfect one And you alone have made us righteous and you alone have made us holy. And in response to what you've done, help us to respond well, to give up our lives for the sake of your greater purposes. For the person that doesn't know you, might you give them your peace as they turn in repentance and faith today. 
And to those of us, Lord, that want to recommit our lives to be sent as your missionaries, Lord, help us to have the strength to appropriately respond to you today. This I ask in Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand, and as we stand, we're going to sing. And as we sing, these altars are open. Where you are, respond appropriately to what God has said today.